so wonderful last week to have so many people in this room. It was, it was indeed very special, and I love that, that people seek God. And as often as we'd like to see it happen more often, it is so good to welcome people into this place. It is God's church after all, and um, all are welcome here. I want to do a quick, quick poll of the, the, the congregation here. How many people would consider themselves impatient? We only answer for ourselves. No elbows in the ribs, right? Okay. Yeah, I say that because Larry and Donna front row, I would see them and then they would whisper in each other's ear and be like, what are some things you're impatient about? What are some things we're impatient about? Shout it out. Being on time. Being on time? <laughs> okay. All right. What else? Waiting. Waiting, yeah. Waiting for what? What kind of stuff do we hate waiting for? The doctor's office, yeah, I was saying good stuff, but even the bad stuff, right? We want it over with. Yeah. yeah. What about procrastination? Any procrastinators here? <laughs> yeah, I see how their hands are going. Yes, we help our spouses, don't we? Um, yeah, what are some things we procrastinate on? Probably the same thing. The same doctors, right? Now that I finally got here, let's get it over with. But right, there's the things we don't want to do, right? I used to convince myself I work well under pressure, and then I realized as an adult that that is a... That is a self-induced pressure that I can avoid by doing things. You know the best tool to help you get over impatience and procrastination? Get married. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't write that in there. Just, I just, I'm looking at Sherry. I'm thinking that's my best tool to make sure I don't put things off too long. Right. But we do. You know, we have to wait on God and, and, and waiting for him to do wonderful things or things we even know that he's going to take care of. But we get impatient, right? Because God's got all the time in the world and, and I have no problem with his plans, but sometimes I get a little, a little cranky and agitated waiting for his timing. And this morning, we're going to remind ourselves about the importance of trusting God's timing and his work both immediately and his work to be done in the future. But first, we need to talk about the concept of time in the Bible. Like everything else, God has his own perspective. He has his own perspective on time, and it's one of the benefits of being sovereign, right? Of totally in control of everything and being eternal. He literally has all the time in the world to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it. You see, from a biblical perspective, God is eternal and exists outside of time. And therefore, his perspective on time is vastly different from our human perspective. As it says in 2 Peter 3, it says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Now, to us, things seem to have a different perspective. If, if you're looking forward to something but must wait for it patiently, then, then the hour might seem like days, right? And when we're in the midst of enjoying something, we simply don't want that moment to end. That time may go too quickly for us. God's perspective on time is not limited to the past and the present and the future. He, he sees all of that all at once as if it were an eternal present. This means that God can see the beginning and the end of everything simultaneously. That's how we know that he, he knows what we've done, what we're doing, and what we're going to do. And he forgives us anyway. But he can do that without being bound by the limitations of time and space of how we understand it. I don't want you to overthink that. It's going to blow your mind. But God has sovereign control over time, and he uses it for his purpose. As it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. 
Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. And this means that everything that happens in time is a part of God's plan. Everything that happens is a part of God's plan. And he uses even the difficult or challenging moments for his good purpose. He calls us to trust in his perfect timing and his plan for our lives. So why should that be comforting to those of us with finite time, right? We only have X amount of time on earth. We don't know what this. Why should we find comfort that God can do whatever time that he needs to take? It's because our true time is infinite. And God has perfect timing and an eternity to work in. And we have an eternity to live in if we've accepted him. On the slide, there's two words, chronos and kairos. They're both Greek. And to help you understand this, I want to talk about the concept of, of kairos time. In the Bible, the Greek word kairos is used to refer to a special or opportune time. As opposed to chronos, which you can think is chronograph, right? Chronology is regular or chronological time. Chronos time is a time when God acts in a particular way or accomplishes his purpose. It is often associated with important moments of decision or change, such as the moment of salvation or the return of Jesus Christ. These are kairos moments. And I personally define kairos as the perfect moment in time for God to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in that same moment. Like this is the moment. Whatever's happening right now, God's got it perfectly in his plan for what comes next. And I take so much comfort in that faith promise that I literally have that word marked on my body. I have a tattoo that says Kairos. It is right under my watch because whatever time it is, whatever time I'm looking at, that is the perfect moment in time for God to be doing for me, through me, or around me what he needs to be doing. Just a, a powerful reminder of myself that God has got this in his time. The concept of Kairos time can be seen in various passages of the Bible, such as Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 which speaks of there being a time for everything, right? You got that song in your head now? Turn, 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 yeah. And Romans 3, 11 through 12, which encourages believers to understand the Kairos time in which they live and act accordingly. And Ephesians 5, 16, believers are also encouraged to redeem the time, right? Make it have some value, making the most of every opportunity or Kairos moment. On the screen are the words found in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. And this is from the Amplified Bible, which means that it's included some extra words to assist in our understanding, okay? It says, therefore, see that you walk carefully, which means living life with honor, purpose, and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil. It says, not as the unwise, but as the wise. And it means sensible, intelligent, discerning people. Making the very most, most of your time, which it says means on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence. It says, because the days are filled with evil. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. And I would paraphrase all of that as this. Therefore, live your life with a purpose and with courage as a sensible person. Recognize and take advantage of every God-timed opportunity and pursue his will in those moments. If we can do that and hold on to that, we would lose so much anxiety. Overall, the concept of Kairos time enables the importance of being aware of God's timing and acting in accordance with his will, rather than being overly concerned with the chronological time or our personal agendas, right? Because we truly trust 
God has his plan and it is better than our own. But patience plays a critical role, a crucial role in waiting on God's timing. When we ask God for something or seek his guidance, we may not always receive an immediate answer, right? Or see the results right away. In such cases, it can be tempting to become frustrated or scourged and try to make matters in our, take matters in our own hands. I know what God wants to do. I'm going to help him along, right? Anybody else do that? Yeah, yeah. I know what he's got in mind. I know what God would do. I'm going to help him along. I'm going to wait impatiently if I wait at all. But by exercising patience, we acknowledge that God's timing is perfect. Have you thought about that? By being patient? You're saying, God, I do trust in you and that he knows what is best for you. We trust that he will always answer our prayers or provide direction in his own time and his own way, which may not align with our own timeline or expectations. In waiting on God's timing, we also develop our faith and reliance on him. We learn to surrender control and trust in his sovereignty, even when we don't fully understand his plan, which I may add, he's always got a plan. But waiting on God with peace and patience will strengthen your relationship with God. It will deepen your spiritual growth. Furthermore, patience will also help you develop perseverance and resilience. Yuck, right? These are those ugly prayers, right? These, these, these risky prayers. God, help me develop some perseverance in my faith. Okay, I'm gonna have to test you. Help me develop some patience. Okay, I'm gonna make you wait. And as we wait on God's timing, we may face challenges or obstacles that test our faith and, res- and resolve. But by relying on God and exercising patience, we can preserve, through, we can persevere through these challenges and it can grow our character. That is a scriptural promise. And the Bible is filled with examples. The story of Abraham and Sarah waiting for a child is found in Genesis 12 to 21. You say they lived about 4,000 years ago and they were married and deeply in love. But they had one major problem they had no child and they desperately wanted a child. And in those days, having children was very important. It was seen as a sign of God's blessing. I've been blessed with a child. You know, so when you didn't have a child, people kind of looked at you like, you know. And it was a way to ensure that continuation of one's family line, right? That you had children they could carry on the name and the work and all of that. For Abraham and Sarah, this was a source of great sadness. It was a source of great disappointment. However, God had promised Abraham that he would become the father of a great nation. This is God's words, his quote. And that his descendants would be numerous as the stars in the sky. Can you imagine that? I have no children, but you're going to give me that many children? And despite their advanced age, Abraham and Sarah held on to this promise, and they continued to trust in God's plan. Years went by, and still Sarah remained barren. Abraham began to grow anxious and wondered if he had misunderstood God's promise. Have you ever done that? God, I thought you were very clear, but what's the deal, right? Sarah, too, began to lose hope and became increasingly desperate for a child. One day, when Abraham was 99 years old and Sarah was 90, God appeared to Abraham and reaffirmed his promise. He said, I will give you a child. And he told Abraham that Sarah would be indeed give birth to a son and it would be named Isaac. Boy, if you ever had to be careful about what you pray for, I bet at 99 I'd be saying, you know, remember that thing I was asking about children? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> but, but, but he had that prayer answered. <laughs> Abraham and Sarah were shocked and overjoyed at this news. Sarah in particular found it hard to believe that she could conceive a child at such an advanced age. However, she trusted in God's promise and sure enough became present. God delivered as he always does. 
And when Isaac was born, Abraham and Sarah were filled with gratitude and awe at God's faithfulness. And they waited many years for this moment. And it was a testament to their faith and trust in God's plan. Maybe they had to wait so long because they needed to grow a little bit. And if they were so faithful all along, God's got it, God's got it, God's got it. That's not testing faith. That's just being faithful. God's going to test their faith. He says, I'm going to wait until you're at the end of your rope. And then I'm going to do something really powerful. And then you'll know it was me that did it. The story of Joseph's time in prison before becoming Pharaoh's advisor is found in Genesis 37 through 41. And we know this story. Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob, and he was his father's favorite. This favoritism caused resentment among his brothers who sold him into slavery when he was just a teenager. Joseph was taken to Egypt and sold to a wealthy man named Potiphar who put him in charge of his household. However, Joseph's fortune soon took a turn for the worse because Potiphar's wife accused him of trying to seduce her. Although Joseph was innocent, he was thrown into prison where he remained for several years. And despite this, Joseph remained faithful to God. And he continued to use his gifts of interpretation and prophecy to help others. While he was in prison, Joseph met two fellow inmates who had both had troubling dreams. And Joseph was able to interpret their dreams, telling one man that he would be restored to his positions of Pharaoh's cupbearer. And the other that he would be executed. Joseph's interpretations came true, and the cupbearer was indeed restored to his position. However, that cupbearer, he forgot Joseph's role in interpreting his dream, and so Joseph remained in prison even longer. Two years later, Pharaoh had a troubling dream, and no one could interpret it. And the cupbearer finally remembered Joseph's gift and recommended him to Pharaoh. Joseph was brought before Pharaoh, and he interpreted the dream as a warning of a coming famine. He suggested that Pharaoh store up food during the seven years of plenty to prepare for the seven years of famine. And Pharaoh was so impressed by Joseph's wisdom and insight that he made him his advisor, second command only to Pharaoh himself. And Joseph oversaw the storage and distribution of grain during the years of plenty. And when the famine came, he was able to use his position to help not only the people of Egypt, but his own family, including the brothers who had sold him into slavery. And I love this verse Genesis 50, 20, it says you meant it for, for harm but God, or evil, and God used it for his good purpose. But he had to suffer a while, didn't he? And the story of Joseph's time in prison before becoming Pharaoh's advisor is an example of how God can use even your darkest moments of your life to accomplish his purpose. Despite the injustice and hardship that Joseph endured, he remained faithful, and he continued to use his gifts to serve others. And that ultimately led to his restoration and exaltation and the saving of many lives. The last example I want to mention is just the Israelites' 40-year wait to enter the promised land. It's found in Exodus 16 to Numbers 14. And the story's Israelites' 40-year wait to enter the promised land is a significant event in the history of the Jewish people. It is told in the First Testament book of Numbers, and it is a tale of faith, but also one of disobedience and punishment. The story begins with the Israelites leaving Egypt. They were, they were, they've been enslaved for hundreds of years, and God promised their forefather Abraham. He said that he would, that he would get them to a land flowing with milk and honey, and, and now he was leading them to that land, right? God delivering on the promise, like, all right, we're out of there. However, the journey wasn't easy. I don't know. They must have expected God saved us. He's just going to plop us into this wonderful promised land. But the journey wasn't an easy one. They often complained and grumbled about the conditions, even though God provided for them in miraculously in every way, food and drink and water, many miracles. And they, they struggled with faith and worship even still. 
sometimes even turning to idolatry and disobeying God's direct commandments. And as they approached the land of Canaan, God commanded Moses to send 12 spies to scout the land. The spies returned with a mixed report, saying that the land was indeed abundant and plentiful. It is gorgeous. But it's filled with some powerful nations and some fortified cities. Ten of the spies convinced the Israelites it would be impossible to conquer the land and urged them to return to Egypt. Only Joshua and Caleb had faith in God's promise and encouraged the people to trust in them. And the Israelites' lack of faith and disobedience angered God, and he declared that none of them of that generation who had left Egypt would enter the promised land. Instead, they would wander in the wilderness for 40 years, which they did. During this time, Moses led the people through the wilderness, and God continued to provide for them. However, they also faced many challenges, attacks from neighboring nations, rebellion from within their own ranks. And eventually, after 40 years had passed, the Israelites arrived at the border of the promised land once again. This time, under the leadership of Joshua, they had faith in God's promise and were able to conquer the land and establish their nation there. And the story of the Israelites' 40-year wait to enter the promised land is a reminder of the importance of faith and obedience to God's commandments. It also teaches that God keeps his promises, even if we must wait a long time to see them filled. And if you're like me and you find yourself struggling with accepting God's timing with peace and courage, right? Because that's all we can do is accept it. But to do so with peace and courage, perhaps one of these verses will give you some encouragement in those moments. Oh, I'm, no, there's another one. Go, keep going. One more. There we go. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under the heaven. And if you read on, it'll give examples. But there is a perfect time for everything. And in everything, you know, in every moment, there is stuff going on. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God will give you the strength when you turn to him in your moments of wait. Isaiah 46, 10. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do what I please. Now that is not a bossy God. That is the God we want that is gonna make his way, his good way, what happens. And lastly, Revelation 21, 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. God has made many promises in regard to his timing. Again, we rarely have trouble with his plan. It's just the timing. And so it's good to have this reminder that he's in control and his way is good. And the goodness is intended for you as well. As I conclude, I want to leave you with a few thoughts. I want you to see that you can courageously and confidently trust God's timing and his plans for the future, even when you're anxious about what they might be. Look at the promises that God has made and kept. They're in the Bible, they're in the lives of the others, and if you really look at it, you're gonna see it in your own life, the promises he's kept for you. And I want you to recognize the importance or purpose of seeking God's will while you wait. You know, if there's a lesson to be learned, Learn it well. Learn it quickly. The weight on you. Third, realize that you're being called to patience and perseverance in light of God's ultimate plan for the world. 
This means that the things that are happening in this perfect moment of time, this Kairos moment, according to God, are for the good of all people. And that may mean that it's a little different than what you think you need at this moment. There may be a moment where, I, I use the example of rain, right? We're praying against rain because we've got this, but someone needs rain, and God knows, and he will provide the best for all. You know, I titled this message, How Soon Is Now? Because God has made many promises. And these promises have been our being and will continue to be fulfilled in his perfect timing. Some may be further in the future than we would choose. Others may come quickly, probably more quickly than we want. We should be prepared. We should be excited. We should be filled with anticipation about what God is doing. And most of all, be courageous as we face what he will be doing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the, the, the curiosity, the excitement, enthusiasm you gave our human lives can also cause us to be impatient. Lord, sometimes we, we rush to the things that, that aren't quite ready or when we aren't quite ready. Sometimes we, we drag our feet for the things that don't seem as exciting or fun to do. But Lord, the, the Bible and history both are filled with, with all these same stories. If, if and when we wait, just the perfectness of your planning comes to fruition. And, and if we drag our feet too long, sometimes you're going to have to pry us up or out of a situation, even though that may feel uncomfortable, as, as you try to give us gentle nudgings. But sometimes we don't listen to that, that, that whisper. And it takes the, a poke or a, a brick through the window of our lives sometimes to, to get us to move and do something that is so much better and better for us. Lord, for all those who are struggling with, with being patient, for waiting, Lord, we ask that you give them an extra measure of your peace. As we struggle sometimes with our own faith limitations, would you grow us? I know that's a risky prayer, but would you grow our faith? Would you help us develop perseverance so we can mature more in our faith, so that we can rely more and more on you? Can we reflect that as people can look at us and, and when they say, how can you go through this and keep smiling? How can you, how can you go through this and not be absolutely scared and, and know that you have an answer? Because God's got this. Lord, we trust in your timing. We trust in your plan. And we trust in the promise of the cross. May all we do please you. May we be changed in some way for what we've heard this morning, which is just a promised reminder, a reminder of a promise that was yours. Amen.